All right. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. I'm Samantha Stevens, head of growth products at Tinder. Um, I've been at Tinder for about six months now. We actually just launched our first um, uh, – I launched my first product, the Tinder Online web app. It's my uh, very cool retro T-shirt. Um, before Tinder, I was at American Express managing their consumer website. Um, I focused a lot on um, two things. One was personalization strategy and how to, um, like how to, how to create a personalized experience in a financial services uh, web, website. Um, and then the, the second thing was leading a global redesign and replatform of the um, AmericanExpress.com site. So that's kind of my, my background, my foray into product management. Happy to talk about uh, any and all of my path and whatnot. Come on in. Have a seat. Does everyone have a beer? Who wants a beer? Everyone good on beer? All right. <laughs> That's the most important part of this, right? So what questions do you guys have? That's really a question, yeah. So Tinder, Tinder is about just over 200 people right now. American Express is about 60,000. So um, very, very different structures. At American Express, having having an idea, you're like you can you come up with an idea and you are like super excited about it, super passionate about it, and it's excruciatingly difficult to get that pushed through, right? Like I started a project, um, you know, when I started there, I've since left and it's still not launched. It's been like two years, right? Um, at Tinder, like I just said, it's been six months and from the day I started to Monday, um, something is live and in production. So um, in terms of just bureaucracy and, and, you know, office, corporation, politics and whatnot, being at a smaller company like Tinder is definitely a lot easier. On the converse, at a, at a smaller company, like I wouldn't quite call it a startup, you know, a startup-y type of vibe, people are very, very passionate. And whereas at a corporation, everyone kind of like stays in their lane, if you will. At a smaller company, I feel like every stakeholder is involved in like all these sorts of decisions from like the, the data team deciding what language to program in and the engineer is making business decisions on ROI and marketing and um, so there's a lot more cooks in the kitchen. What were the projects that you were working on at American Express and what you're working on now? I'm just curious. Sure. In terms of user experience and technology. Um, okay. So at American Express I was on the um, web team specifically. So in that there was, you know, American Express's digital presence is very, very large. There's the consumer website and then there's the corporate website and then travel and then the apps. And then the, like there's, there's thousands of MX digital products. Um, so I was on, you know, the consumer website seems very large. If you have an MX card, you log in, you go to americanexpress.com, you pay your bill, you see your statement, et cetera. Like that was my property. That's maybe like 5% of um, the digital environment inside the enterprise. So in that, like I had a very small piece of the pie, you know, from the, the holistic perspective, um, as opposed to at Tinder, like I solely own 
a lot of our growth products and initiatives. Like there are things that are 100% mine or my team's very few people have like, um, uh, a veto power in, in what goes on. And it's also much more diverse. So I, um, came on to do the web product, which makes sense given my background and experience, um, since then have moved on to all of growth products. So there's the web product. Um, we just launched, um, alternative authentication methods. So being able to log into the app, um, with your phone number, doing things around like, um, online payments and user acquisition and profile content and first user experience and all sorts of um, other stuff that's much more beyond like the small focus of what I had at Amex. Sure. Oh, so I'm really, I'm doing a terrible job at repeating these questions. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Um, can you repeat the questions so then I can then repeat it into the microphone so I can record it? <laughs> well, I'm just curious, specific, if, if you can talk about it, specifically yeah. what kind of projects you had in terms of, as a user, how I would experience that. And then I'm interested in hearing how you did your testing with that. Mm -hmm. If that was actually going to be valid. Sure. How many times, especially with financial services, yeah. you get on a website like that, you know, and it's just forever until you learn how to do it. Yes. So the question was, what sort of what sort of projects did I um, work on at American Express, and how did we do user testing around them? Okay, so at um, at American Express, the first thing I did was build the Windows 10 app for Amex. Um, that was very interesting. Windows 10 like hadn't even launched at that point, and so it was still in the beta. We partnered with Microsoft, um, and it was a it's a very strange interface. I don't know if anyone has Windows 10 now, but it's like definitely, yeah, no one has it, right? Um, <laughs> uh, um, and so we, we actually built it as a hybrid application, which means that it's a native layer that runs on top of the website. So it pulls in um, the web view. Now, one of the challenges of the American Express web website is that the majority of it is not responsive. And if you know anything about um, web design, like a, a lot of older sites, when you when you go to them on your phone, either they're just like the the whole site like magnified down into a tiny little screen, you can't read it, um, and that's very very old and um, you know wonderfully what we were dealing with at Amex for a lot of the pages. So um, one of the challenges was how do we translate um, this desktop experience onto into a mobile experience, and so. Um, come on in. Welcome. No, 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 you're fine. Um, I may, like, you know, spit on you guys. That's fine. Um, yeah. So we, we, we had a really cool user experience research team and practice at, come on in, um, at Amex, where every two weeks we actually had a usability lab, um, and we would, we would go and, like, and anyone within my, within my kind of larger, um, digital enterprise team could could go or like book book a slot right in the testing lab and we would have all sorts of things we would do one-on-one -on -one interviews we would have focus groups we would do like rapid labs which was you would put you could put any sort of prototype like sketches or a, a 
HTML prototype or an InVision or whatever it is in front of a user and just see like how they interact with it. Maybe it's the maybe we were testing the the copy on a button, which made more sense. How to explain a feature, right? How do we explain the difference between your statement balance and your current balance and your remaining balance, right? So we tried. It's actually very hard. We tried all sorts of different ways um, to do that and tried to find a way um, just, just from, from verbiage and explaining is it a tooltip, is it a modal, that kind of thing. Um, when we were designing this new, this new um, app interface on top of the website, um, it was more of a consideration of, okay, cool, so now there's a new bottom nav, right? Like what are, what are, the, what are the icons, what are the menu items that make sense, how to navigate it is a little bit more of an extensive... Um, trial but the the best thing and i so we actually didn't have any sort of usability testing or user research user experience research at tinder so i actually took my learnings from amex and have brought them to tinder and we're we're doing our first um actual user research usability research lab um at the end of april in brazil actually very excited about that um because we've never really put our app in front of people and like qualitatively watched it and you know of course anecdotally like we all know how people use it but how does that work in other markets and other languages and yada yada so excited to check that out Okay, so so the the question is, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, um, how how do you how do you learn like user experience, um, research and design as a product manager? I think that under like if the kind of the the, the pinnacle of product management is being being the voice of the user, right? The voice of the customer, and whatnot. Um, in order to do that, you have whether you're whether you're physically designing the feature, wireframing it, or you're just thinking about what's best for the user, it's still the same mindset. So I don't think like you have to go take a UX course and learn how to wireframe or prototype or like color theory or anything like that. But I definitely think it's just a way of thinking. Like I'm, I'm building something. It's not for me, right? It's for someone else. So what does someone else think? And it's, it's a sense of, it's a sense of empathy and like consideration for, um, for your users. So the question is basically, how does a bill become a law in the world of, uh, of product management? <laughs> um, much like in DC, it's very difficult and very arduous. Um, probably not too difficult, uh, different from the process. I, I went to school in DC, so very familiar with that scene. Um, the, 
it's honestly not that much different at American Express and Tinder. It's just a an order of of scale and magnitude. So like you you have an idea. The, I can't maybe I can't tell you the right way to do it. I can tell you my way to do it. Um, the first thing I would do is that like it's very hard to visualize something if you don't if you can like see it in front of you, right? So if I have an idea, um, I'll work with a designer. You know, just honestly like like on a Friday afternoon, I'll be like, hey, like can I buy you a beer and like talk about like this idea that I have? Um, and we'll go and we'll chat about it. And like, if they're excited about it, they think it's a good idea. And like, cool, do you want to like work together and sketch out some concepts, just see how this might come to life? Okay. So then we, we come up with some, some wireframes or designs or, or whatever it is. Um, and then you kind of start, so you like, you draft it, right. And then you kind of start shopping it around and like the, the pitch and the sell is very, very important. And the most honestly, like <laughs> building the product is a lot easier than, coming up with the with the product idea and finalizing the spec and the requirements. So it's a lot of iteration of you come up with the idea, you figure out what problem you're trying to solve, you figure out like your metrics and your your KPIs, um, you get buy-in from, you know, leadership and the head of product and the head of design and the CEO and the marketing team. Like you have to kind of rally your um, you know, champion your your idea. Um, and then, it, you know, Congress calls a vote. Um, <laughs> um, and then, and then once everyone's like, Hey, yeah, this is a cool idea. Let's do it. Then it's a matter of getting it on the roadmap and prioritizing it. So like everyone might think that you have the best idea in the world. Cool. There's 10 other great ideas that like we've already committed to doing. How does this idea fit in? Um, and depending on, on the culture, maybe it's very collaborative, maybe it's a little bit more competitive. Like, how do you get the engineering resources and design resources and like space on um, space in the backlog to actually bring it into fruition? And a lot of it is being a really good communicator. It's being a good manager, right? It's it's knowing your audience, knowing that the head of community or customer service wants something different than, um, you know, the the head of engineering, um, being able to talk to them in different ways, bring them different goals, allow them to visualize it for themselves and get everyone excited about it. So you, you were like, you were brought on to be the project manager for the web, the Tinder online? Correct. So, so you're, so that's sort of a different thing because it's not like something that you're originally, originally, you're like, okay, you're going to, you're in charge of that product. Correct. So then what's that process? So that's similar because well, so, so that, I mean, so when I when I came in for web, yes, like that, the project was already agreed to be done. Um, the scope of the product is something that I had to negotiate, but it was definitely not um, as arduous as a process as some of the things that I'm working on now, which are new feature development um, that I do go through that process for. So that's what I said. Like once you, once you get to the point where everyone's like, "Cool, we're gonna do it," it's. I'm going to say it's smooth sailing, but it's a lot easier, I think. Yeah. Oh. Oh, uh, to follow up on that, sure. um, you have a great idea, and you, now you need to provide data and get KPIs. Yeah. And that's kind of like I struggled in getting really good KPIs to support mm. my idea, even though I think my idea is brilliant. But how do you go about it, and how do you know when you have good like data to support your Key performance indicator. So the 
so how do you how do you go about getting data to support your idea or, or identifying identifying the KPI that you're you're working towards? That's a really good question. Um, I'm we're very lucky to have a really really great um, business analytics team who is in very close. We've we've built it wasn't like this when I started, but we've built a very collaborative relationship where we're constantly talking about um, the the user experience and what the behaviors that we're seeing um, and various conversion rates, various you know how many how many users are. Um, being liked versus disliked. Okay, well, what what's better about the people who are being liked? Cool. How can we build something to get the people who are not being liked more likes? How do we drive? Um, we know that conversations are our biggest drive of retention. Cool. How do we build features that drive more conversations? So it's it's really beneficial that like we have access to that data and people proactively looking at it and coming to us and being like, hey, here like. Here's a here's an impact analysis of if you if you can improve you know matches by five percent this is the impact that it'll have on unicorns or, or whatever it is right um, but in in lieu of that I think the most like you kind of have to do that yourself and so um, sometimes I don't have that data but I do have access to it I should say I don't have that analysis, not like proactive communication, but I have access to it. And every, I have like time on my calendar every week to review our data and sift through it. And I identify like, Hey, it looks like this weird trend where over the past six months, like this has been dipping, right? Female, you know, week one retention has been dipping. Okay. That's interesting. Let me like dig into that. Let me figure out why. Let me ask around what, what did we launch back then and do a little bit of my own analysis. And then once I can identify like, you know, Hey, this, this happened and this is, this is the impact this is the opportunity. Um, I can use that to then say, I have this idea and this product fe or feature that can address this opportunity. Um, the analytics tools that we're using, um, we, we just started using Google analytics for web, but that's kind of, um, neither here nor there. It's honestly not the best, uh, most reliable tool. Um, we, we use, there's not really tools. Like we have a, we have a data engineering team. They code events manually and review them and like export them in SQL into Periscope dashboards. And like, there's, it's not like, oh, we use this out of the box tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all manually coded. Yeah, yeah, sure. How do you build out your team? So when you're looking to hire, and I'm sure there's some non-negotiables, but where, for those who may not have the product resume of others, where are you willing to negotiate with somebody who's perhaps curious and intelligent and willing to learn versus I need these hard skills? Or That's a, a great question. So like, what do what do I look for when building out my team? For especially if someone who's a little bit newer to the field, um, passion for for the the problem that the product is trying to solve is is the most important thing, right? Like, if I walk into an interview and someone's just like, "Oh, I have so much experience," like I don't care. 
Um, but if you're like, hey, I have so many ideas for like what I would love to do, you know, for Tinder and where I think like I could, you know, this, I could build this and yada, yada. Um, I think that's super important. Um, being able to show that you're empathetic to the users, like we were, we were talking about before, is also really important. Like if you don't know that and you can't think, like if you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes and think of how to solve problems, not for yourself, but for someone else, then you're, you're not going to be great at the job. Um, and then also just like being, being hungry, like showing that you want it, being, being proactive. I think at the last, um, the last talk that I gave, I talked about my interview process at Tinder and with like com completely, completely unprompted, I came and I brought them a pitch deck of like a completely full fledged feature with like KPIs and a rollout plan and like all like a fully, you know, end to end detailed. I even like sketched wireframes. Right. And the idea was terrible, but that's not the point. That doesn't matter. Um, the point was I like, it showed that I was already thinking and passionate about the role. that you described is not the approach that, that every company takes. It's the approach that a place like Amex will take, where there's a five-year roadmap. Um, at a smaller company, like at Tinder, we don't, we don't have that. We're, we're figuring out, like, we're nascent enough to, like, we, we have product market fit, clearly, um, but we're kind of at the point, we're at a very pinnacle growth point, and like currently figuring out, okay, how do we like what's what's that next step? How do we evolve? So, at a smaller company, you're not going to have a two-year roadmap. If you do, like you're probably thinking about it the wrong way. You should be thinking about like, you know, what can I do to get to the next step or or, or level up and and not be so locked in to a one or two-year plan. Like you want to be able to to be lean and to pivot um, and not be afraid to take risks, right? Like try stuff out, you know. Small sample size, please. Um, but um, um, be very like iterative, I would suggest. Unless you're, unless you're at a large corporation where you've got to come in and present like your five-year plan. And honestly, at a large corporation, something that takes six months at a startup might take five years, which is why you need that plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great question because that's now my, um, uh, part of my role. So how do, how do we, how do we formulate our global strategy? Um, we, it definitely starts with data. We have a, as I mentioned, like we have our business analytics team, then we have our international analytics team, um, which helps us prioritize markets. Um, and a lot of that, it's it's a whole a whole myriad of things, right? Like how much we're currently growing, what like the projected growth forecast is already, 
um, what the, the core demographic is the use of the users are, what the cultural differences are they similar cultures to the US where we already have like a really good fit and experience? Are they, you know, um, are they a place like Japan where culture is, is very different? Um, historically, we've taken a very US-centric approach. And as we're growing globally, we're starting to look at various markets and how to um, understand and be more empathetic to different needs of different cultures and build um, build features around that. So for example, in India, right, there's a huge untapped dating market in India. It's very nascent, like, but people are using Tinder. They're, they're online dating more and more. Um, but um, like, Privacy is a really big concern in the Indian market as we're, we're learning. Um, so we don't currently on Tinder, we don't have any features that really um, respect that or understand that. So knowing that, like looking at building a roadmap that accounts for those localized um, needs. Yeah. Yeah. We do have local teams in a couple in um, like the kind of the priority markets that we've identified for the year. Yeah. So we we don't even do that right now. But I mean, yeah, you you can target versions in the app store. I think that's something how we'll probably do it in the future. So yeah. You're part of the growth team, um, and there's so many different ways to develop your product teams. What are the other ones? So like core and monetization. Sure. So how do we how do we divide up the teams? Um, we have growth, which is uh, me naturally. <laughs> we have um, discovery, which is like the the swiping experience, right? Like after so part part of growth is 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 like how do how like my definition of growth is adding quality users into the Tinder world. Um, so you can like you can add as many you know we can launch web and launch SMS authentication all this stuff but like then what we can't just leave people hanging so it goes a little bit it goes pretty far into like um, allowing enabling and empowering users to express their personality and like form their identity inside the app um, then there's the discovery so how do you experience like a potential match how do you enter interact with their their profile and there's like some really cool work being done around there um and then there's post match which is everything after the match yeah yeah not necessarily um the question was if, if growth is a faster moving team no i mean if if anything um being that we're, well, I mean, I guess you can argue either sides of this coin, but given that we're building um, products and features for new users, I think we want to be like especially, um, you know, have a lot of consideration for not just being like, whoa, here's this crazy new feature, like hope you like it, um, as opposed to like in the post-match experience, we could, you know, launch like, like, I don't know, Snapchat stickers on like in your match conversation. If people don't like it, we can like pull that back and it's not gonna it's not gonna like destroy our um our ecosystem but you could also argue the inverse of that yeah mm-hmm. what do you think drove you to go to 
Sure. Um, I, I think a lot of, there is definitely a lot of overlap between um, being an entrepreneur or a founder and being a product manager. Like the, I think the analogy of being like the CEO of your product is very, very accurate, especially at smaller companies where you have a lot more um, autonomy over the decisions that are being made. Um, in terms of my, my personal reasons, I totally see myself one day, you know, doing my own thing. Um, at this point in time, I love working at Tinder. I couldn't imagine like a cooler, more fun, uh, product to work on, like dating and love and relationships. It's just like so cool. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that if you're any like very good product manager who understands like, you know, the, the data side and the, the user experience side and like all of the sides, once you have enough of that experience that you're not going to like really, you know, mess it up or, or fail, then you could just as easily start your own business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Tinder came out of, I understand, an incubator. Mm -hmm. do, do you guys also, like, in your product management team, are you thinking of like, new products, new data products? Are you going to be more focused? Or can you come up with different products? Is there, do they have like spin-offs? Yeah, um, we just, a couple, a few months ago, we just launched a, um, a venture capital fund. So while not necessarily, like, there are some people who, like, were in Tinder and then decided they want to kind of start their own thing that we're still supporting, I guess. But we also have um, a investment or, like, incubator arm that, um, yeah. No. It's 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 a separate entity, yeah, yeah. I think those are two separate questions. So one question is about measuring success. And then I think the second question is about like, like launch strategy for lack of better terms is that, okay. Um, for, for measuring success, as I mentioned, like we have a really, really great business analytics team. Um, everything, like we're a very data driven company. We have a product that it's very easy to measure data, right? Like it's a very action based app. Um, like either you like someone or you don't like someone, right? Either you message someone or you don't, um, either you have more photos or you don't, right? Like it's very easy, um, to find a lot of correlations of, um, data. We also do a lot of AB testing, testing to prove out, um, like causational relationships. Um, so measuring the success of a product absolutely looks like, um, just like bathing in data and spreadsheets and graphs um, and as I mentioned, like we, like every week review, like what's going on, um, especially with a, with a new product launch, it's like every hour. Right. Um, so I, I, I can't think of like a better way than, and of course like your, your revenue, it's not like a no brainer, but I can think of a better way to measure, um, measure. And like, I think even before that, defining what your 
like success criteria is or what success looks like, um, knowing what you're trying to drive. It's, it's easy to be like, oh, we built this feature, but like it actually did this totally other thing. And like, that's really great and cool. But like, was your feature itself successful as what you plan it to be? Maybe not. So you learned that this feature was great for like, you know, B, but what did it really accomplish A? So being really clear about what your expectations are and measuring against that, I think is important. So scoping, scoping out a feature. Um, I think you have to work with a designer from, from day one. Like there's really, especially in building a product, like there's no, there's no product without an actual like thing, right? Um, this is, this is the thing. <laughs> um, so you, like you as the PM come to the table with the idea um, and share that with, the designer, um, and if you know a, a good product designer will also have like his or her own um, take and approach and really like live and breathe that with you. So you're like, hey, like we need, for example, for the the web product that I just launched, um, the the process behind that for the the the, the mobile. So it's a responsive web application. Um, so the the mobile screen looks identical to the native app. Like, you know, we, you can barely tell that there is a difference. Wonderful. Um, for the for the desktop view, though, we had this whole new opportunity um, to to take advantage of this new real estate. So I knew from the the data team that conversations is our number one driver of retention. And of course, from the user perspective, like conversations are the way that you actually meet people and get get offline and like do the things that you're on Tinder to actually um, do and, and date. Um, so knowing that, I came to the table saying, okay, I need to scope out um, what this feature looks like. Let's build an interface that optimizes for having conversations. Um, and so I worked with, like, I shared this with the designer, and she was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I totally get that. Um, and we worked together and built out, like, a Slack for uh, online dating, basically. Like, it's... It's really like I can I can show you guys it's live if like you may have seen screenshots in various articles if you've seen them but like on the on the left hand panel it's like your your list of messages and matches right um, so you can easily see like all of your different people and then the middle panel is the messaging chat interface and it's like very big and very easy to type and like a lot brighter and then the the right hand side is the the matches profile so you can actually see like the, the person and who they are and their identity and their bio and their photos um, and be like more immersed in the conversation and this one-on-one -on -one connection with someone as opposed to on mobile where you're in this small view, you just have this text box, you have, you know, maybe looked at their profile, maybe didn't. It's so much easier just to say, hey, than if you have this like much more um, immersive interface where you're like focusing on one person and you're like, hey, like really cool photo, like let's, you know, have a conversation about it. So that's how <laughs> that's how I like approach designing a feature, like bringing together the the user and business objective with the design and marrying that. Um, and then I can't emphasize enough getting engineers involved early in the process, um, like like day one, like bring them 
tell them what you're thinking about before you even think about it. Help like get their input in prioritizing your backlog of ideas before you even um, decide because they may have, they may, they will have like very strong opinions and very valid opinions where if you're like, oh, I want to build this feature, yada, yada, it's going to be so cool. And they're like, well, actually there's a lot of like um, refactoring that we should do because if we build this feature, it's going to lead to all these problems. Whereas we should really focus on like this other thing first that you as a PM probably like didn't even know. Um, so, and then of course, like from the, I think just leading a team perspective, like you want everyone to be as excited about this new thing as you are. So giving people as much, giving everyone on the team, like ownership and, a feeling of like personal investment and responsibility is I think super important. I've, I've been an engineer. It's really easy to build like sloppy code that you don't, you don't care about, but if you do care about it, then you're going to be like, Oh, like you're going to wake up at three in the morning and be like, I thought of a way to like make this 10 times more efficient and like get up and, um, and code it yourself. Yeah. Like like the they like the weight loss industry conspiracy theory that they want to give me back. Um, <laughs> I mean the the way I think that's a really valid um, a really valid question. My thoughts on that are two things. Number one, like how many how many people have you dated before you found before you met your fiance? Right, like you only need to meet one person before you you leave the app for good, and it's probably like maybe it's the first person you meet and that's wonderful, but like there's probably a fairly long life cycle of you meeting people and it doesn't work out and then you go back on the app and yada yada. Also like people turn 18 every day and join Tinder every day. Um, so like you lose when you gain one, right? <laughs> yeah. We definitely, we definitely don't think like, oh, let's trick people to like get them, you know, to be unsuccessful. Yeah. So when I first started getting into, um, into like product and digital products and whatnot, um, I decided to go back to school part time and get, go through a front end, front end engineering program. I know like there's, there's in the, in the product world, there's two schools of thought. One is that like, you do not need to know a single line of code in order to be a good PM. The other school of thought is knowing at least a little bit of code and some things is very beneficial in two ways. One, like, <laughs> um, you're, you understand the plight of an engineer, right? Um, you know, like what they go through, you know, what keeps them up at night, you know, um, you know, how, you know, how difficult it is to not be able to figure out what's causing a bug. You can really like empathize with them. Um, 
the second, and I'm sure by now it's clear which like school of thought I'm in, the, the second advantage is when it comes to approaching a product, knowing, being able to at least like have some sort of idea of how it's built allows you to make like educated decisions in, in the approach and the architecture, um, not in like the programming language of just having a philosophy of like, Hey, I know that if I make this decision, it's going to be a lot harder to build than if I make this decision. Um, I think that's very, very beneficial. And I've like, I'm not like a professional engineer or anything, um, along those lines, but I've definitely helped come up with like creative solutions in, um, in some of the projects to figure out like creative workarounds or whatnot. And the third is even called bullshit. Like if someone, if an engineer is like, Oh man, this is going to take me like two weeks to do. And you're like, mm, um, I don't know if that's so true or not. Right. And like, I, I faced that when I originally brought, um, my, like the, the designs that the designer, my designer and I came up with to my, um, engineering team for the web app, they're like, oh, like, we can't do this. This is going to take like, like six months to do like, yada, yada. and I was like, like uh, okay. Um, and we kind of like worked through this and we had this real, you know, like come to Jesus, uh, conversation and it ended up taking like two weeks for them to be like, yeah, all right, we can, we can do it, you know? So I think that's, that's why I would suggest learning at least a little bit of programming. From the Tinder product, um, our biggest competitive concerns, um, I think, I mean, of, of like what I can, can talk about and share publicly, I think like what any, what any company would face, right? Like, okay, we've been a company for five years. Like how do we've, we've probably saturated a lot of the market. Like we have a huge amount of market share. It's really insane. How do we get new users, right? Like how do we, how do we break out of this plateau? How do we, um, uh, compete with like newer apps that are coming out? Do we need new features? Do we need a new strategy? Like how do we, how do we balance that? That's not a great answer, but there's not that much that I can share about that. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good question. And that's something that like, I think every PM will face, right? Like if data, if data says one thing and your gut says the other, I think product is an art. Um, and there's like, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to take risks and data is, is informative, but it's not gospel. And I think the most, the most important thing is, like you see data, you see trends and you're like, I just don't like, I think that there's a totally different reason for this. Like if it's a personal risk that you have to take and like, depending on how strongly you feel about it, like take it and then hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Sure. Um, I think like a lot, maybe a lot of people here, like I have a very different background that's like completely unrelated to what I do now. So like there's hope for everyone. Um, <laughs> so in college, I studied psychology, Chinese and justice and peace studies. So I clearly had like a very clear vision of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, when I graduated, I got a job in digital marketing um, and spent two years too many like writing tweets for for train companies and some BS like that. Um, but what was interesting about that job is on the digital team of this agency, we also had the creative team. So we had like UX and a UX team and a design team and an engineering team. And they were building websites for, for customers that like help tell a story, help tell a brand message or whatever. Um, and so I kind of saw that side and I was like, Hmm, that's like, that's pretty interesting. Right. And so I worked a little bit more with them and I got, that's kind of how I got interested in, um, this field. And so I transitioned then into like a quasi product project management role at another agency decided to take the engineering course. Um, and then from, from there went to, uh, went to American Express. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. um data would be is really good um i think i think like the best rule of thumb is consider what you're reliant on other people for and then try to learn those things yourself right and especially if you want to be an entrepreneur or a founder like you you don't want to be like completely blind and not know how to how to analyze your data or run a SQL query. Like um, you don't want to have no idea how to use like sketch or InDesign um, or put together a wireframe um, or do things like, you know, usability testing and understand like, okay, how do I, how do I conduct a, a research lab and talk to users and, and know the right questions to ask? So I think it's just identifying like, I think like getting a firm sense of, the field and then identifying your own gaps is the best rule of thumb. Um, I, we don't have a difference and at American Express, we were called product owners and product managers. I'm like fairly familiar with scrum, but I couldn't tell you the difference. I know what a project manager versus, versus a product, product manager, product owner are, but I haven't, I don't know of, of a big difference. In my experience, sometimes product managers isn't available and they might be very technical things. So someone be the product owner. So let's use that word. It might not be your job title, but in this mm -hmm. scenario of this product, you have to be the product owner. But if you're essentially like your job day to day, um, you might have called a product owner generally that's going to be the product manager. That's my experience. Interesting. Okay, sure. Yeah, as a product owner, um, well, you know, the main responsibility is you have to manage your product backlog. Yeah. So then you're responsible for the user stories, all the functional requirements, things like that. As a 
advisor do get more into that technical aspect where you're looking at functional requirements and when you're given a new product, is it your decision to figure out where do I even start this project? Do I start with the email first or do I start with the back end? Like, how do you approach that? Um, like, we don't. I've never, I've always done both, both at a small company like Tinder and a large company like Amex. So yeah, maybe, maybe the, I, I know that everyone kind of does scrum in their, like in their own way. Um, so maybe it's just like different idiosyncrasies of a company and like different structures make sense. We're good. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That I can definitely do. So we we don't have project managers at Tinder, which is one of the most like annoyingly stressful things. So a project manager's job, excuse me, I'll eat my fruit snacks, um, <laughs> is to like look kind of across all of the the different things that are going on and understand like the scope and the logistics and the delivery date and the timeline and um, like is the, the money that we're spending on track with the, uh, the like the, the cash we have coming in and, and that sort of thing. Um, also figuring out like, okay, if I have three engineering resources on this project, but now this, bug came up and I need to do one resource over here and then this guy over here, like, you know, what's, what's the weather in, in Toronto or whatever. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's more of, it's more of that sort of thing. And also being the one to like kind of take the hit and push back on various stakeholders and be like, no, you can't, like, you can't put this project here. You can't take this person off. Um, and it's a, <laughs> It's someone once told me it's the most thankless job in the world because no, like everyone's always mad at you, right? <laughs> like you're always telling someone no, um, to to make sure like you are laser focused on keeping the trains on track. A product manager is the owner of like the complete life cycle of a development, and like you're you're doing all the things. You're focused on the user. You're designing it. You're working with the engineers in a different way than a project manager, um, but you have like. You're you're the visionary for what you're building. Um, I think we are we haven't needed them up until now, really. Um, a year ago, we were like sixty people, and over the past year, we've like almost tripled in size. So now we're kind of catching up. I think we will we will get one, but at at the point where you're like your engineering team is like a hundred people strong. You probably need a project manager. <laughs>